Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Metal University. I am one of your metal professors, Chris, and your other metal professor, Brian, is not only joining me, but is in the room with me. This is a big step. Hi, Brian. How you doing? This is awesome. You have the coolest freaking basement I've ever been in. <laughs> he, he could have a concert down here, and plus he's got this huge table that if we wanted to get four or five friends, we could have like the coolest D&D gaming night in the world. Ever. I, I love this room. <laughs> we, but yes, we, we I'm here for talking about something else today. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's actually, we normally we do the show remotely. It is really cool that we actually are in the same physical space today. <laughs> I can actually see him. All of him, not just his head. Yeah, really. <laughs> not just not just a little little tile on a screen. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we are back with you once again to talk about metal and... Uh, so our topic today is metal and religion. And Brian, you you floated this topic, uh, which I was like, ooh, that sounds nicely controversial. I wonder what we'll have to say about that. So do I, because I, I when I, I thought it'd be kind of cool to talk about, and as I've been thinking about it and writing down some notes and stuff, I just hope we, that uh, it will be as controversial as we hope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, believe me, sir. <laughs> we can make it controversial. I am certain of this. I, I think I'm... we can, too. It'll be interesting. Um, well, so so when I was thinking about it, a lot of what came up, I was thinking what in my classes, depending on which class I'm teaching, which of the courses I teach with metal, I'll talk about a little bit about Christian metal and attitudes toward that by secular bands. And then I thought about some in general, some groups or individuals who, you know, say that they're Christian and the way they put down metal and metal culture and the music and those of us who love the music. Mm-hmm. Um, when in most cases they don't know anything about the music other than they see people who dress like us when we go to shows. Right. right? And right? we scare them. Yes. Um, so I thought it'd be interesting to talk about talk about that too, and maybe even the idea that, you know, for many people in metal who aren't aren't don't see themselves as religious, metal becomes their religion. You know, yep. it becomes their their connection to uh, in some ways a higher being i guess you could say metal does that for them so some of those things were kind of floating around in my head uh when i when i had this idea um you know and also one of one of my issues with when i think of christian metal i i um you know lyrically for the most part they're preaching proselytizing um but what i always have a problem with and i think i my aunt, who I love dearly, is a music teacher, and she's very much a Christian. And she's given me records that are uh, Christian artists. And one of my biggest issues, whether it's Christian rock or Christian metal, is I don't think most of them can play. I, uh. I, I, I think that they focus too much on, and this comes out in research too. This, this is not just me saying this. But they're, they're not, they spend more time lyrically than they do trying to be as... Um, maybe creative or as good at, at players as maybe secular musicians in general. I'm not saying that's the case all the time. Uh, so that's sort of where I'm at, at least at the beginning of this whole thing. What were some things you were thinking of when, when we broached the subject? Well, I I did think of one of the things that you talked about, which was uh, how metal for a lot of people, especially those who are not religious, 
has a similar effect that religion has where it gives you a community where you belong. And even if you feel like other people don't understand you, these are the people that get you. And while you're not worshiping per se, you do have, there are a lot of little similarities among those things. Like you have a place to go, uh, like, you know, you, you'll gather at venues for shows or bars or something like that, where they'll have music playing either live or, you know, recorded music or something like that instead of a church. And mm-hmm. instead of singing hymns, you're singing along to the songs and you have this community. So I did think of, of that offering that aspect um, where it's not like metal isn't necessarily a religion, but it has a lot of, a lot of things that religion brings with it. Uh, and I also thought of a lot of the ways that metal culture, metal music, and some metal fans can, uh, I don't want to say poke fun at, but can definitely be like critical of organized religion. Not necessarily spirituality, because you don't see no. that as much, but you often see critique of, of organized religion. Yes. And so when I think of metal <laughs> yes. and religion, I think of, immediately I start thinking of songs from bands, or sometimes entire bands, <laughs> that are very critical of organized religion. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. They're all over the place. Uh, you know, what, what, one of the things you just mentioned, too, about similarities there, obviously, whether it's uh, if you're... You, if you're a churchgoer or whatever, there's a lot of loyalty to mm-hmm. that. And certainly metal fans, metalheads are incredibly loyal to their music, to the the bands they follow, even to venues they might go to. Um, and there's a lot of passion that goes in both of those, both of those places in the, the with the church and also with uh, the music mm-hmm. and the culture. So I think there's definitely similarities. And when you, when you talk about bands who a lot of bands, you know, the, I mean, the whole like Norwegian black metal thing, they're anti-Christian mm-hmm. for the most part. They're anti-Christian. You know, they claim to be Satanists. Some probably mm-hmm. are. Others are using it just for, uh, to get attention or to, you know, to, to be different, even though they're not really different anymore because they all think that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> or they all <laughs> claim to think that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, so there's, there is, there are those connections too, you know, like, um, and this isn't necessarily about religion, but like Dio has a song. Well, it's a Black Sabbath song that he did with, that he did with, when he was in Black Sabbath, the first album, the song Heaven and Hell. He talks about all of us have, and I think you could connect this to, uh, to religion, where you know all of us have uh, good, uh, we have good and evil or heaven and hell in us, and we have to make that choice. Well, you know that's. Religions teach the same thing, right? But he's he, he has criticized religion quite a bit, obviously, in his music, often. And if you look at the cover of Holy Diver, there's a priest who's either being thrown into the water or being pulled out by a demon. Right. <laughs> so he's saying something with that, I think. You know? uh-huh. uh, and he talked about in an interview how he went to Catholic school and he would get uh, wrapped on the knuckles by the nuns. Ooh. And I went to a Catholic school. I never got wrapped on the knuckles, but I got yelled at once because the teachers, the nuns said I was playing footsie with a girl. I don't know what, footsie, I don't know what footsie was. I was in fifth grade. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I, I'm like, you. I, I'm like, okay, sister, sister Teresa, that was her name. I still remember <laughs> that. Uh, but you know, so, I mean, it's, it's all, it's, it's, it's ingrained in, I think in, 
our culture in metal music and in culture in some way, whether it's negative or, or like, you know, a band like Striper, who's probably the most successful Christian metal band there is, or at least mm-hmm. there, there was, you know, and they had some hits and I played their music for my students and they're, you know, they're a glam band, so they're pretty easy to, to get into. They're not, you know, it's pretty light. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, they, the students are asking, why are they all yellow and black stripes all over the place? I said, well, it's in the Bible. And I, I keep forgetting where in the Bible, what that's a reference to. Um, but there is a connection, you know, and I pl- I'll play like the, uh, the something it's called Honestly is like their ballad they, okay. that they had. And they had another one that was, you know, they, they did the same thing that all those glam bands did. They had a hit. It's faster than they do the ballad. Then they did a faster song. Then they do another ballad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they fit right in, except, you know, they would go, they would open for someone. There was a, they toured with Motley Crue. They were the openers. They would throw Bibles out to the crowd. Oh, wow. And they would get them thrown back at them. Because yeah. the Motley Crue crowd is not the same as the Striper crowd. No, no. <laughs> Motley Crue is singing "Shout Out the Devil," <laughs> yeah, and Striper's not. <laughs> they're they're uh, going the other direction. There, it was a really weird uh, tour. I'm sure I didn't. I wasn't. I didn't go to that, of course. But, but I mean, it was interesting. Sort of this the, this paradox of those two of those two bands. Uh, you know, and I, I I talk to my students about some of the some of the. Um, like for instance, the Westboro Baptist Church. Uh, it's a a minister, and his most of his followers are his family, and they go mm-hmm. to different places. Uh, they went to Ronnie James Dio's funeral, and they petitioned outside uh, of the. It was at a they, they for his funeral. They were they were at the cemetery, but there was a like an amphitheater where they had the the service and where they had like big screens and people came up and talked and they played some music. And then outside, they had people sitting out listening to it as well. So these guys were, they had signs like, um, you know, just horrible things to say, not only about him, but about metal and about metal fans. And, um, you know, they've been arrested several several times, and they, they, they just, they, they always have comments about gays, they have comments about blacks, they have comments about mu- metal, metal music and culture and stuff. Um, and they still do that to this day as oh, far yeah. as i know you know you'll still see them protesting everything yeah and but they don't know what they're talking about no <laughs> no <laughs> At all. generally not right so or or you know i just today in my class we were talking about sort of the moral panic in the 80s of you know with the pmrc and that's not obviously religion but but like someone like bob larson who who uh was a was a christian calls, calls himself a christian uh, and he hates rock music and metal music, mm-hmm. and he would be one of the people they would have like when these these different different kids committed suicide. He'd be someone they'd bring to the court cases to talk, mm. or he would go on book tours talking about how rock music and metal music and rap are these horrible things, and your kids are going to turn gay, they're going to become drug addicts, they're gonna you know all these other things that have nothing at all to do with metal or music. But right. you know he became pretty famous for a while because because he said these things, right? And the, the, the right, the religious right ate him up. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, so it's an interesting and frustrating thing for those of us who, I mean, I'm Catholic. I'm not the best Catholic. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it is part of me on some level. Uh, and it, people like that sicken me. So, and I'm sure they sicken many other people, but especially in 
uh, if you're paying any attention to it and you're a fan of music, a fan mm-hmm. of metal especially. Um, well, what what are some things you you were thinking too? Because I've been kind of yammering on now for, for quite a <laughs> no, while. No, don't worry about it. Uh, this is this is good. I hadn't I didn't realize that Westboro had uh, protested at Dio's funeral. That's yeah. horrifying. They yeah. always pick the absolute most horrifying place to protest as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, like they won't just go to a concert. They go to someone, you know, some some very beloved person's funeral, which is just awful. Um, I think what a lot of that does too is that ends up feeding a lot of the 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 frustrations that people might already feel with like we've talked about before how metal fans often are drawn to metal because they feel alienated in other areas of culture. And one of those things could be difficulties with, you know, the conformity to religion. And so that might, because a lot of, you know, teenagers struggle with that. Sure. And they go through a period of struggle where they're like, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm now learning about other things that I did, wasn't raised with. And now I'm questioning things. And I, I don't like the rigid rules of this. And what teenager wants to go and sit through church services? <laughs> Even, you know, ones who, it's not like they're not believers or anything. But that might cause a little bit of a feeling of alienation anyway. And then this ends up being like feeding far into it when then you, the thing that you then go to, you're like, oh, metal accepts me. I like metal. And then all of a sudden religious groups and certainly not all of them, but some religious groups are then targeting the thing that you like. And I think that's what that's going to do for a lot of people is make them then see that as religion says my music is bad religion says my subculture is bad and i'm rebelling against that notion because i don't i don't think that this is bad but the problem i think is that then people see what they're they're doing and then they end up labeling just like religion can label metal as all bad i think a lot of metalheads then can look at religion and say well that's all bad and i think then both sides are just completely polarized. It's like we just, you know, vilify the an entire group Absolutely. of people. Oh, and, sure. and neither of the, both of those groups can certainly have some problematic, you know, people in them, right? There are bad actors in both of those groups. Oh, yeah. But to say that either of them is entirely bad is ridiculous. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It is terrible. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's interesting how, you're, I mean, I've, I have not thought about it that way, but yeah, you're right. I mean, they're, uh, I, I don't, I haven't, I don't know what the Catholic church says about none of, none of the examples I've seen have come from the Catholic church, but that doesn't mean, I mean, I know my uncle was a priest and he didn't like it, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean, <laughs> that doesn't mean that all, all, all priests and the, the Pope doesn't like it. And this Pope might actually like it. He's pretty, he's pretty cool. He's pretty open-minded. Yeah. More so than the last... <laughs> You know, a thousand years worth. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting when we talk about that because it's uh, m- metal music on its own is polarizing for a lot of people. And then when mm-hmm. you throw in how religion is polarizing, just, I mean, to go back to the whole Catholic thing, there are issues that I have with the church that I don't think are going to change until the church does, right? right. And And, you know... One of the good things about metal, though, is there's so many different genres and so many, like all metal's mm-hmm. not talking about the devil. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> in fact, most of it doesn't, you know? And even a lot of times when they do talk, when it does talk about it, it's saying you should run away from him or, or whatever it is, not 
go have a beer with the devil. It's like, no, no, yeah. we, you don't want, like, you know, people have, I, I've read where, you know, groups or individuals have said, well, Black Sabbath, they're worshiping the devil. Have you, I'm like, have you ever listened to their music? They, <laughs> they, they never say you should be with the devil. They're always saying you should run. You should get away from the devil. Most bands in general, unless you're from Norway <laughs> and you're in the black metal scene, uh, or, or other Scandinavian countries, I guess. Uh, you know, most genres of metal are not looking at it in that way. They're they're mm-hmm. against a lot of the really evil stuff. You know, now you get bands, you get death metal bands who are singing some really nasty stuff. Like mm-hmm. Cannibal Corpse is, I mean, the name says it all right there, right? And their lyrics <laughs> are are gruesome. They're not talking religion, though. Right. right? Well, they, well... They have songs about the Inquisition, things like that, but they're never talking about religion itself. They're talking about what happens in during the Inquisition from the priests to the people that they're torturing. But they're right. talking about the torture. They're not talking about the religion. I mean, I guess I guess they are by extension, but they're not making a comment about that. They're not thinking right. like that. They're thinking about the physicality of what's going on, which is what they, most of their lyrics are about. Mm-hmm. Um, and often you don't know what they're saying anyway because right. of, the, of the of the growled vocals. So, you know, I listen to them because I like the music most of the time, right? Mm-hmm. Not 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 the lyrics. Uh, you know, so a lot of that stuff. You know, we you, black metal is the one I guess what talks about the most. But uh, and I, I have not. And I, I have to admit, I have, you know when I said Christian metal, there's there's a lot of proselytizing in the music. I haven't listened to a lot of it. What I have listened to, though, I just don't like. And it's, mm-hmm. um, I don't like to be preached to, number one. And number right. two, I don't think it's all that creative of music. So I don't, I, do, you, do you have much experience with Christian metal? No, I really don't. Uh, I had a friend who suggested, and I can't remember the band. It was a band I'd heard of, um, but it suggested a Christian metal band because uh, the friend was... Christian and I liked metal and I'm not Christian. So I, they suggested that I listen to this band and it was okay. Like it was metal, but I got the feeling. Is it Demon Hunter? I think it was actually Demon Hunter. Okay. That's like about the only other one I know. Uh, I think it it was Demon Hunter actually. Uh, This is many years ago. And I got the feeling that it was like more about the message. Like they had a goal and the goal wasn't to create, you know, the sonic experience so much as translate the, the message that they wanted to, wanted to get across, like their message, message of worship or their, the, you know, the other messages that they wanted to get across that were of some religious angle, uh, in the music that was a translation into a different venue. Like we're going to take the thing that we do that we would do in church or do knocking on your door or whatever else they do um, and turn it into music so that you can then have that in a different area in a different form. And that's fine if that's your goal. But my goal when I listen to music is not to reinforce uh, that sort of belief. I like to, have strong emotional experiences and also i like um music that provides narrative experiences which then for me because i like narrative uh, is a strong emotional experience 
So those are the things that I'm looking for. And I'm not looking to be moved in some grander sense. Now, I'm sure if, if you are a believer of that sort of thing and that can probably give you a strong emotional experience and you can be moved and that's great. Uh, but it felt very, it felt very like a club that I wasn't part of. <laughs> so I listened to it and I'm like, I feel like this was made for someone else and I just happened to be listening to it. Okay. Right? Like yeah. I'm adjacent, but I'm clearly not the target. And I also feel like I'm missing something here. What does your, what does your friend have to say when you, did you tell him that? Um, I don't think that they were, they weren't even like a particularly huge fan of this band. I think they were more trying to find like common ground. Like, oh, I like religion and you like metal here. Check this out. Um, but you know, that was, we, we went back and forth a little bit with like, oh, well, what do you think about this song? And so then I would like provide a song that was maybe a little bit more questioning of, of religion and say like, check this out. And so there's a little bit of back and forth with that of like here, you know, get, get to know a little bit of my perspective sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, but I've not had any friends that were like hardcore into that sort of thing. Yeah. And I've just, it's just never particularly appealed to me. If I found out that a band that I liked was a, was Christian, right? Like they were Christians and maybe even that some of those themes bled into their music a little bit, I would have no problem with that. Yeah. But I think that's really different from a metal band who are Christians versus a Christian metal band. Yes. Oh yeah. You know, we haven't really seen a huge band who's, a huge metal band who's, you know, I mean, unless you want to count Striper, but they're not doing much anymore. And they're still making albums. They're still doing Oh, that. are they really? They are, yeah. Oh, they actually just toured, I think, not that long ago, a year or two ago. But they're not anything like they were, obviously. And they sure. were never top of the heap in the glam either. They were well-known. You know, I don't know if they ever went on, like, a big headlining tour. They might have been, they were, like, with Motley Crue or, the, right. or somebody else. Um, but I suspect after a while, their, their sort of their stick kind of got old. Yeah. You know, they didn't want bands wouldn't want to bring them along because, you know, they would uh, there was the crowd would be split. Yeah. Big time. Now, I'm sure there'd be more of the secular bands fans than the, the Christian Stripers fans. Sure. But still, you know, who knows what could happen in the audience, too. If you. Right. <laughs> well, and, and no, no headliner wants to bring along an opener that has such a specific crowd that they might leave before the headliner comes out like right. they don't want some of the crowd to leave because they don't believe in <laughs> I believe is maybe the wrong word to use when you're talking about the topic of religion, but they're not into <laughs> like that scene. Right. Yeah. Cause those are, I feel like those are really different genres. They might both sound like metal, but Christian metal is significantly different. Yeah. And you're right. I would, I would worry if it's say striper or Motley crew, are the striper fans going to walk out? Right. And you'll have a half empty venue when it's, or, or a third empty venue or whatever, when it's over, when the first band is done. Yeah. And it's, I think it'd be hard, a hard argument to make. Well, you know, I love striper and I like Motley Crue too. Oh, you do. You like to shout at the devil and do all the other stuff that they're talking about when, right. when you just were, you know, so it, it would be, an, I, I wish I could have been a fly in one of those concert halls just to see how, how all that <laughs> went. Uh, I mean, it was a tour. So I mean, sure. they, they, you know, they, something must've, worked out you know and there is actually a heavy metal church of christ in dayton what yes. really we we brought i brought the minister to we did one of our it was, it was before COVID. obviously we i brought three local metal musicians 
And then I asked uh, the minister to come. And I, I did say, look, I want you to talk about what you do, but you don't try to, you know, don't try to preach right. to my students. That's not cool. He's like, no, no, no worries. But I mean, you know, they've got videos out there and I've, I've watched them and stuff and they, they, <laughs> they do, obviously they have, they have church on Sunday. They, they don't do it till noon because they figure their followers are going to be out. <laughs> the night. Right. They, they play metal music uh, before the, cer- the ceremony. They have like a band up on the stage. Um, you know, people come in and they're, uh, they're wearing metal clothes. They're not getting wow. all dressed up. I mean, it's a really interesting, and, you know, it's like a typical Christian service. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I watched one or two of them, I think. And, and, you know, it's really interesting if that's your thing and they, you know, you can, and they've got a big tour bus that they take around. That's so uh, cool. I know. And, um, <laughs> and they've had several, pl- they've had several home bases though too, because they, my, my wife's aunt and uncle live in Greenville, which is like, 45 minutes north of here and mm-hmm. uh um it used to be their church used to be in greenville i think they've moved a little farther south um but one of my students just told me today that uh, he was down in cincinnati for something and they had like a food truck and they were passing oh, out wow. fl- they were passing out like little cards for their church uh, no, they, it wasn't their food truck. They were working in a food truck, right? And, and they were passing stuff out for their for their services and stuff. So, um, and I, I don't. I think they must have moved closer to where we are instead of being farther north. But in any case, I mean, the guy was really cool, and he, you know, he he said, "I'll, I'll come whenever you want." And he he had been somebody who was really into the, to like Slayer and a lot of the really dark, heavy bands. Mm-hmm. He said, "You know, I just he, I still love metal, but I had to go away from that." that kind of metal and he's mm-hmm. and he's i think he's a musician himself so uh he, he found jesus and he converted that way but he still listens to to metal and he still has that even like the the, the songs they play during their services are kind of metalized songs oh that's really cool yeah it is it is pretty cool <laughs> metal uh, hymns. <laughs> yeah so i mean it's it's it sounds really interesting i've never actually gone to one of their services and i don't I don't think I will, but, but it's still an interesting way to sort of bring the two together, which which would be nice, you know, if those kind of groups could get together more often, I'd love to see a Catholic mass that was metal. (laughs) I I can't see that ever happening. It's too structured and too rigid. Yes. It's very structured, (laughs) but you never know. Maybe someday. Uh, I think what that shows though, is that these aren't necessarily like antithetical groups or concepts. There's nothing like as weird as it sounds, because it, even in my mind as I say this, it feels like religion is on one side and metals on the other in some ways. Like they're in some sort of arena, uh, you know, competing against each other. But there's nothing really about metal that says that it can't, you know, embrace those sorts of ideas. No. And it, like I said, I mean, there are. I'm sure. Th- there are a lot of Christians out there. There have to be bands that are entirely Christian metal bands that we just don't necessarily know it because they're not a Christian metal band, right? right? They're a metal band that happens to be Christian. And so there doesn't seem to be anything that in there that says that you can't do both. Like, it's just maybe maybe they don't say anything that they are Christian because they don't want to hurt their following. Right. Right. You know, well, because there is this attitude, I think that in general, that, that they are somehow opposed to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if that's not necessarily the case, because I'm sure there are plenty of 
Christian metal fans, just that there are metal bands that are Christian, and there are plenty of secular bands and fans who are atheists or other religions or whatever. Like, I don't really think that these things have to be opposed to each other at all. I feel Mm -hmm. like they kind of have very little relationship in the larger sense. I think the relationship that they have is one that we put on them. And that has been put on them because, you know, going back as far as, you know, like the uh, the the satanic panic and the um, all of the, the morality stuff with music back from the 80s, we sort of created this binary. Yeah. And I think I think the problem comes when it's at the extremes, when you have yes. the, the black metal bands, or the satanic bands, or you have the sort of the way far right Christian right. Yeah. That, or, or Islam. That Islam tends to mm-hmm. not 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 like metal. So when you have those things on the extremes, that's where the issues are. But when you like this this guy and his his ministry, they they work together fine. But it's but it's when you have a band called Rotting Christ <laughs> <laughs> singing about things like that. Yeah, that's a problem. Or or when you have a guy like this West Robert or Bob Larson in the Westboro Baptist Church doing mm-hmm. what they do. Well, that that's where the issues lie. I don't think Dio had a huge issue. I mean, certainly he he wasn't a fan of religion, but he wasn't going to go out and burn a cross on stage, like sure. <laughs> you know. But uh, it's it's when you have groups that are openly for you know, like like what's the who's Watain, the band Watain. That guy has sacrificed stuff on stage, or he's done other or Behemoth. I saw Behemoth. He read something from. This is Satanic Bible on stage. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that was coming <laughs> when I went because they were opening for for the it was for the Slayer final tour. Oh, but but they were they were great. It was yeah. a great show, except for <laughs> you know, sure. and he read it in a different language, so I wasn't I didn't I knew what it was from, but I just didn't know what he was saying. Right. Anyway, uh, yeah. I mean, so I you know when it's at the outskirts that's when there's the biggest issues otherwise as long as there's an open mind like yeah. my aunt is a very christian very religious person she lets me come and talk to her students mm-hmm. and you know there are certain things i'm not going to play them cannibal course of course <laughs> okay but i i do give them a history of metal and i might talk about different genres of metal and i'll play some stuff but but i mean she's been open to that right? yeah and that's great that's that's amazing so um yeah like i said i mean as long as it's sort of somewhere not on the outskirts of, of both sides, I think it works. It can work. Right. But too often, like, the, there, there's too many stereotypes on both sides. Oh, yeah. You know, too many, too many that, oh, all metal's bad. All mm-hmm. metal people are going to hell, which is the kind of stuff that this guy Bob Larson says all the time or said all the time. Right. Um, and some religions say that. Some some ministers will say that. Sure. Um, you know, and then some bands are like, well, if you if you're a Christian – Get away from me! You're not. Right. Gonna, I don't want you coming to my show, or right. I don't. I don't want. You're not welcome here. That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But then when you have a band like Striper, who are musically okay, I guess, because they were successful. Most secular bands don't want to play with them. Yeah, <laughs> and they're not big enough to go on big big tours on their own. They can play like two thousand seat venues, but they're right. not going to sell out a big place. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's interesting that it doesn't happen often enough when the two sides can come together. Sure. 
and this, you know what, this is not ex- at all where I thought we were going to go. And it's actually, <laughs> it's well, actually pretty cool that we, we, we've come, this, we've done this this way, I think. Well, one of the things, <laughs> maybe I have something a little bit more controversial to say. Um, so one of the things that I was thinking of, though, is I do think that there's a lot of this manufactured dichotomy. Yeah. Um, that, that isn't real. I don't think it's real because I don't think that music is a religion. I think that you can like whatever music you like and subscribe to whatever religion you subscribe to or, or none. Uh, but I also see people on both sides of this uh, because there are a lot of metalheads who feel alienated, but there are also a lot of religious people who feel alienated. I see a lot of people with kind of a persecution complex. Yeah. And I think that that ends up just feeding the this this dichotomy, this this binary that we've created where they're like, well, I am being oppressed and there's this, you know, if you, if you're a religious person, you might be like, and again, I'm not saying this about all religious people by any means, but there are some that are going to be like, I feel persecuted and oppressed by these evil forces out there represented by scary guy who wears you know, black leather jacket or sabotage teacher (laughs) like I'm wearing right now. Um, Yes. With the very satanic hall of the mountain King, um, this mountain King shoots lightning from his fingers. He is evil. Uh, But then, and then on the other side, you'll have someone who might be like a, a metal fan. Who's like, I feel oppressed and persecuted by, you know, this oppressive religious regime that is, you know, controlling culture and, and, uh, getting mad at me if I don't want to say Merry Christmas or whatever. So like both sides, I think can, can have some people who then really push the narrative because they, they have that persecution complex where they're like, I feel more special when I feel like I am fighting against insurmountable odds of these, these forces out there aligned against me. Right. When in fact the, those forces lined against you don't know who you are. And don't give a shit. Exactly. Right. So it's not really, <laughs> It doesn't really matter. You're not oppressed at all. You just like to feel like you're oppressed to get sympathy or to get attention or or whatever. Right, because neither metal fans nor religious people are being rounded up because of that status and something done to them. That's not happening. Well, it it has happened in, in Islam. Okay, that's <laughs> but that's that, different. That's fair. That's it, fair. That's, it, that's, it has and, happened and over that's there. Potentially, we're talking about, yeah. but uh, but generally, a lot of especially. I mean, my focus is what I know is you know mostly Western stuff, right, right. and in that way, like, yeah, I've I've had people look at me weird, or oh, you know, at the, at the at the <laughs> you know maybe at the most extreme, like, stay away from me or be a little scared of me if I'm wearing something that makes me look like I'm into scary stuff. But, uh, but that's it. I've, I've never been like, no one's coming to round me up and no one's doing that to anybody who's religious either, at least not over here. And so like, I don't know. I feel like we're just feeding this, this idea that somehow these, these things need to be opposed. And I'm not even religious, but I think that you can very easily be both of these things and have no issue with it. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny. Cause you know, I'll, I'll wear, Metal, st- it's amazing. I go to the grocery store and I'll wear a metal T-shirt and my battle jacket mm-hmm. just for the hell of it to see, you know, because I like it. It's comfortable. I like a jean jacket, whatever. I almost every time I go, someone says, "Hey, cool jacket." Nice. I mean, it's. It, I'm like, oh, all right, thank you. <laughs> you know, it's, and I and I get some weird looks sometimes sure. too, but it's like, all right, that's your thing. That's just a jacket. 
It's no yeah. big deal. Well, they can't read the death metal band logos anyway. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, and it's got, I mean, the main thing on it just says Dayton Metal Family. It's like, and then with all, there's a skull, but the, but then there's like the, the drums and a guitar and, and, a, and a mic and, you know, it's, and then a bunch of band logos around the, around the, around the outside of that. But, you know, the, the, the only one that's like a death metal band is, was Cannibal Corpse, but you can read that. Yeah, yeah, but they're not, they're not. It's like they're following me around, reading all the bands in the back of my jacket. You know, yeah, they exactly. Just, they might just see all the patches. Like, oh, okay. Um, but you're right. Yeah, it is kind. Of, it is. Uh, you know, I think. I, I think a lot of people just because, uh, one thing I sometimes feel or sometimes get is, you're still listening to that, that yeah. kind of thing. It's like I'm 53 and I'm not going to stop. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> someday you're going to like all of a sudden become refined and yeah. sit in a smoking jacket, like <laughs> listening to Mozart in your library. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Sure. Uh, right. I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I guess it's, you know, and that doesn't, it doesn't happen. It's like, like at our, at our university, we're, we're at the university of Dayton in case you can figure that out now. Uh, I, some people said, Oh, you're the metal guy. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes they think that's a cool thing. And sometimes they think, Oh, you're the metal guy. Yeah. Like that. And I'm like, Hey, I have three books. A fourth one's coming too. <laughs> what do you got? You know, it's that kind of thing. It's, 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 uh, and I, I don't look into it other than what I just did. Like, I don't talk. Uh, I'm like, Oh yeah, that's me. I teach, you know, whatever. And, right. and we're, we're off on our religion again, but, but, uh, I, you know, th- that's just what it is. And I don't, I, no one's ever come up to me and made, in, in my face said anything negative or anything mm-hmm. because you know i think in most cases they don't know anything beyond oh you're the you're the guy who teaches those courses on heavy metal and usually right. say, oh, that's pretty cool i said oh thanks and they walk away <laughs> and that's fine uh i yeah. do remember though when you were featured as teaching metal classes that there were some people uh outside the university that heard that that thought that that was somehow inappropriate that metal would be taught at uh, a religious school. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, thankfully our, our English department has always been supportive of that. Mm -hmm. And, and we are in academia. We are, we should be able to teach the kind of things we want to teach if it's going to help our students learn. Absolutely. So, so, you know, I, and I've, I've never, no one's ever questioned me about no one in the, in the university has ever questioned me about that, but, but yeah, I can certainly, at least in my departments ever questioned me about that. So, and, and you know I get good attendance in the courses and things like that, so I don't think that's going to change. Sure. And, and it's a research interest too, so I, I can't imagine where they would say you can't do that anymore. Right. But because of that's course. something that I'm I'm actively doing in other fields. So. Yeah, in the ac- in the academic circles, it's I don't know if I would say well respected. Certainly by some people it is, but at least it's acknowledged. Yeah. Uh, but I did find it interesting that people outside the university thought that it was inappropriate uh, because I think they were bringing those biases. Oh yeah. Like, uh, they, cause they never asked me about it. Right. They never course. said, well, what do you do? I said, well, you want to see, I can show you my syllabus, you know, but yeah. they never went that far. They would just, they would assume, make assumptions about it. Like I'm sitting there listening to like poison every class or something. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, we don't do that. We're reading scholarship. We're, <laughs> we're talking about a lot of other things here. It's not just, you know, we do listen to some music, but it's that's not the the main gist of the, of the classes. Do you ever get 
uh, I say this because I get it about not not metal things because I don't teach metal, but other things that I teach. Do you ever get um, like secondhand pushback from families of students? Like, do your students come in and say, yeah, my parents can't believe that I'm taking this class and that this is being offered and that sort of thing? No, I've actually had some uh, some students that said, my, my dad thinks you're awesome. Really? Because <laughs> oh, that's, that's really cool. I've never had, I had a student in, in another, in my um, gothic literature course, and um, we were doing a book, um, oh, what's it called? It had, it had a demon in it, and oh, okay. this young woman... Um, was raised Christian, a conservative Christian faith, so she wouldn't read that. I said, okay. Really? So she read Frankenstein instead. Oh, okay. Which you, was fine. What was the book? Was it The Monk? Or? No, no, it was, oh my God, what was it called? Um, I can see it. Oh. Well, no uh, worries. Whatever, but yeah, I mean, so it, it was, a, there were only like six or seven students in the in the class, and she was the only one. I said, well, okay, I'll give you something else. Yeah. You still have to do the assignment. You just have to do a different <laughs> book. So. Yeah, I, I I teach a class on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. And I get a lot of students coming in saying, uh, you know, like after the first couple of days and they've, you know, certainly they've gone back to their uh, to their place and they call their parents and the, the you know, their parents are like, how's, how's your first day of the semester? And they're like, I'm taking this class on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> and so I get a lot of students saying my parents can't believe they're paying for this <laughs> so i wondered if you got any of that about metal because i get it a lot about buffy which is hilarious because buffy's the most academically discussed television show of all time yeah so it's actually really like there's a lot of scholarship that we look at and like it's a really academic topic <laughs> but uh but yeah it's i i think there's just that immediate reaction that people have um and that also that show does deal with the occult and so there yeah. are i do sometimes get uh, an objection uh along religious grounds of like well i don't know if i can you know be in this class because i don't know if i can watch these things yeah um you guys watch a lot of episodes right we do we, we go through a, a decent number of episodes yeah. too yeah we use it as our basically our primary text is the show um but like as far as people's reactions to these sorts of things I do find it really interesting that at some point, and I, 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 I'm not a, a historian or a scholar of religious studies, so I'm sure those people can actually tell me when this happened. But at some point, the sorts of imagery that people associate with metal became imagery that, that seems somehow anti-religious. And the funny part is that a lot of it comes from religion. Like pictures <laughs> of demons, we wouldn't have pictures of demons and devils and you know bat-winged horned monsters without religion <laughs> they come directly from that you know these like old, you know old paintings of you know what the devil must have looked like and stuff and now we've adapted those into bands have them on their album covers and stuff yeah. but like these come from religion at what point did all of those cease to be you know, religious, uh, a religious wood carving of the devil, right? That, that an actual religious person would do. Like, when it, well, when it ceased to support their perspective. I suppose, yeah. <laughs> Basically, like, I, would, I would think. Well, because if you look at a lot of that ancient, not even ancient, but like really old art that depicts, you know, monsters and demons and stuff, a lot of that was actually just religious art. That yeah. wasn't considered heretical. It was... This is a depiction of hell so that, you know, we can look at it and talk about it and all of this stuff. And at some point, even those images 
became dangerous. And it's like, now we can't look at them because now if you draw those things, you're not thinking about it and studying it and, and discussing it, you're worshiping it. Yeah. And now we not, we not only have to, we, we basically now have to completely avoid those things or you're bad. Somewhere, some shift happened. I don't know, some puritanical shift where all of that stuff suddenly became evil and dark and the people who even, you know, made it or looked at it became evil. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it goes a little bit back to, you know, like on the, the, the far ends or mm-hmm. whatever, if it's not going to, if it's not going to support their view, if they can use it against, uh, the other side, the other perspective, then they will, even though yeah. they, they, they know where that came from. Absolutely. Of course they do. But because a band, a metal band is using it, then it's got to be evil. Right. Maybe, you know what? Maybe the metal band knows where it came from too. And they thought, well, let's turn the tables a little bit and see, you know, and see what, <laughs> what, <laughs> what people say. Maybe they're doing it just to get a rise out of the, the religious right or sure. conservatives or whatever. Um, so I think it's, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I think it, at some point, some of these groups decided, well, we know what it's about, but someone who's not like us is doing it, so it must be bad. Right. We don't want we don't want uh, to be connected with them, so we have to make sure that everybody knows that's not the way it's supposed to be recognized or understood. Right. Even though they open their Bible or on their history book or their you know their religious studies book or whatever, the same thing is there and it's on their bookshelf. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. The the Bible has enough horrifying stuff in it that you can make some really badass metal music about that. I'm sure. Oh yeah. And the things in there. Imagine like a a a black metal band could have a field day with some of the crap going on in the Bible. Oh, absolutely. They wouldn't even need to to bring in any like satanic stuff. All they have to do is just go through some of those stories. They're really gruesome and kind of horrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I really I I just I find the whole divide really sort of fascinating. Um. I don't tend to go for the music that is particularly pushing one way or the other, like that is either pushing a religious agenda or an anti-religious agenda. I'm generally not as intrigued by that either because I feel like that is also maybe another form of like, maybe not proselytizing, but it certainly can be attention grabbing. Like, look, look what I'm doing. I'm, I'm calling out these people and I'm not as into that. But a lot of the music that I like is very... Uh, it speculates about it or it um, it gets into some complex issues that are maybe a little bit a little bit twisty um, mm-hmm. like I, th- I I think of Queensryche doing Operation Mind Crime where the nun who is a central figure in the story um, Sister Mary was a prostitute before she became a nun and the priest uh, is having sex with her and is uh, associated with the um, you know, with the underground organization and, and ends up getting killed. And so it's kind of showing that they're not talking about the the underpinnings of religion, but they are talking about the people that represent it and how sometimes those people are false. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's, I think, an interesting way to look at that and how those institutions play into this kind of new world order that, that the story of mind crime is about. Uh, so you have that sort of thing. Or you'll have, um, like some of the other bands that I like, uh, Tool did 10,000 Days, 
which is there are a couple songs, uh, Wings for Marie and 10,000 Days on the album 10,000 Days, which are about uh, Maynard James Keenan's mom, who was very religious and believed in all of this and became paralyzed from a some sort of disease. I don't know, probably uh, like an MS or some kind of disease and was paralyzed for a really long time. And then when she died, she she still died a believer. And uh, I believe the 10,000 days refers to the amount of time that she was paralyzed, I think. I might be getting this wrong. Um, and the song is about how she deserves her wings, basically, mm-hmm. because she was so devout, even in the face of all of these things that you would think would make you not yeah. believe in someone watching out for you when they let this happen to you kind of idea. But you can tell that he's being skeptical of it, but still applying her sort of logic to the situation as well. And so he's looking at it like he doesn't agree with the viewpoint and is sort of frustrated that she did, given what she faced, because it sounds like that might have been a thing that made him, what happened to her, made him turn away from religion. Mm -hmm. Um, Which you also see in the song Judith, which is also about her from... uh, his other band, um, perfect circle, perfect circle. So I find it interesting that he takes kind of both perspectives in these couple songs. Yeah. And that's a, a much more complex look at this. And I'm very intrigued by that because it's not one side pushing a, a, a very clear agenda. Yeah. Either whatever side that happens to be, it's actually making me really think about this. And I like the nuance and complexity there. And I think that if we're able to get past some of this, this dichotomy between like metal versus religion, we can get into some of those really interesting conversations that aren't just, well, I'm clearly, you know, the atheist metalhead who's pushing my agenda, or I'm clearly the, you know, the, the, the Christian metalhead who's pushing this agenda. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's absolutely true. And, you know, when we were talking about that too, I, I don't go for bands that are, that are doing that either. I think sometimes I wonder about authenticity. Yeah. Are they doing it just, to get a rise out of people or do they really believe or have they really studied what it is that they're talking about? Like mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of, um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, uh, maybe, maybe uh, a band like Morbid Angel who used to sing a lot about the devil and about um, hell and things like that. And uh, they changed. One of my one of my publications is about looking at their lyrics and um, Cannibal Corpse and Deicides, and w- they were the one band of those three that over time they they were so heavy into uh, satanic stuff early on, mm. and then uh, at some point it's like they started reading, <laughs> and they read a lot about <laughs> history and a lot about other things, and their lyrics really switched. They really changed. Uh, and I looked at um, first three albums and then the most recent three up until about ten years ago, and uh, and, I, <laughs> and and it was they were the one band that really the themes shifted. Whereas Cannibal Corpse, their lyrics got more intense, and DSI just stayed the same. They okay. didn't, they didn't do a whole lot different, and and, uh, um, and and it was really interesting because. I read more about than I read more about the main guy Trey in in Morbid Angel, and he really started to spend more time. It sounded like reading it, like I said, about history and about other other cultures, and that had a that came into the the music. Now the the one album 
uh, it's probably eight or nine years ago, it was just a bomb, and that got away from all that. Uh, but then it wasn't because it, it was it wasn't even like death metal anymore. It was just garbage. Oh. It was bad. Everyone hated. It. I mean, everyone. And I, I'm the one that's like the second one of theirs I bought. I'm like, oh god, what have I done? Because it was just so bad. <laughs> Uh, anyway, but that, they weren't part of the study. That was too late. Anyway, mm-hmm. But so it was interesting, though, because they were the one of those big three death metal bands where there was a huge shift in the focus, at least in those albums I looked at. Uh, and I, in their, in their case, I'm like, okay, good. That's right. That's, but if there's like a band like Deicide, I've never been a fan of them. I don't like them that much. Uh, they're just, uh, they did, there was, they haven't changed at all. Mm-hmm. in 35 years on their, their focus. Uh, and I don't, I, for, for me that musically, I don't like him. I don't like his voice. I mean, he's, he's growling anyway, so it's not really, but right. Thematically, I don't think there's a lot of creativity there, at least cannibal corpse. I mean, they're thinking lots of different ways to kill people, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there are some things there are, there are some aspects of history in some of their stuff too. Alex Webster can write, some songs about history and he's done that uh so they're they're they were more aggressive in their lyrics but uh on occasion they can go that route and i've never been a huge morbid angel fan but i was i was impressed lyrically by what they were the, the changes that they made interesting um so yeah i i so we did sort of go <laughs> wandered around back to to those that was pretty cool with the religion aspect i i guess um I had a question on my thing. Why should Christians not like metal? And we kind of talked about that already. So, or how does metal affect, does metal affect uh, Christianity as much as Chris? Uh, well, how about, okay. Does metal affect Christianity at all? And does Christianity affect how we see metal? I think popular views of, or popular interpretation, I should say popular interpretation of Christian views does affect metal. I don't know that, literal christian views affect metal but i do think that there's an idea so you think bands are changing how they write music based on christians christianity i think that they i think that like for example i think some bands are probably anticipating a negative reaction potentially from religious people to their music because they're metal and i mean we've definitely seen that right like you know you see uh, just you know, we've seen that 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 kind of uh, negative attitude directed at people who like darker things. Yeah. But I don't think that that is even a, necessarily a widespread opinion that Christians hold. I think it's in an interpretation, a popular interpretation of what they think. Yeah. But I don't even think that it's that it's real. Like I don't even think that the majority of Christians have anything against metalheads yeah. um, and the ones that do probably don't even really know they just think that they're supposed to not like them yeah and so they're like well then i don't like them because i'm not supposed to like them so i think that a lot of it is just manu- i think that's manufactured so i do think it influences people though there's certainly bands out there who are writing these songs that you know are are critiquing religion that probably feel in some way the like the the specter of it looming over them right whether it's real or not. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Does, uh, well, what about the opposite? Does metal affect religion? I don't think so. Not at all. <laughs> I don't think so. Other than to draw people closer that don't know much about it. 
Like, That's true. If they don't know anything about it, but they're scared of it, <laughs> they may glam or glom more closely to because of what their ministers are telling them. That's fair. Yeah. Um, but see, and those people, I want to stick them in odd bodies and just say, here, yeah, listen, just lock, check it out. Lock the doors so they can't get out. <laughs> just listen to it and and then see what you think. Yeah, and I, don't I wouldn't think... throw like a death metal band. I throw something else. Right, right. Yeah, it's a little more accessible. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that at least in the states that metal has enough of a popular presence to have any impact on. No, like there is no real voice or spokesperson or groups that are representing metal in popular culture. In in fact, there's almost no representation of metal in popular culture in the states, to the to its detriment. Well, like, what about Metallica? I mean, I guess Metallica, I mean, but more, like, more so when the Black Album came out, I guess. But yeah, they're I the mean, one people know that aren't metalheads, though. Yes, probably exactly. But right. like even that, it's not like they're out there representing metal and talking no. to people. Like I don't. Yeah, no. When's the last time we even heard from that those guys since they put out another album, like the last album? It's not like they're on the on the news or whatever, like as you know, as a special guest on CNN to talk about something. Metal has almost no voice in the states. So I don't think it could possibly have any impact on no religion Un- unless well, like this heavy metal church of Christ. Yeah, there you go. But but I mean, the people that are going to that are already metalheads. Yeah. So it's not really. But like, I I just saw a commercial today where it was I forget what it was for, but they had a death metal band playing as part of uh, whatever they had like three different. Oh, is it the Domino's commercial? Yeah. It was making fun of the. Do- and I was like, why was there even a death metal band in this commercial? And it was like. Not like that. <laughs> that was like the the thing. Yeah. So they were putting it down because it's not what Domino's wants to represent, obviously. Uh, and they sounded good. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, what is this bullshit? Why are they making fun of death metal? That has nothing to do with pizza. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't. I don't think that there's. And yeah. there probably never will be. At least, there probably never was. Yeah, I don't right. There, there ever was or will be. Metal's never been that popular in this country, certainly. I mean, I guess the '80s with glam, but that's not going to influence religion, right? There's uh, who are those weirdos with the, with the hair that's three feet high? You know, that's, <laughs> exactly. That's not that, that. Yeah, that's not really an issue. Wasn't an issue then. Um, well, should we talk about what we've been listening to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, absolutely. Um, you want to go first? What? You yes. want to go first? Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I, I actually, I, I, I always do this. I go back <laughs> and I, I've been watching all these uh, um, podcasts that are ranking albums. Yeah. And I watched, I watched several now that looked at Ozzy Osbourne and I love his first four. Mm-hmm. So Crazy Train, Diary of a Madman, Bark at the Moon, and The Ultimate Sin. And The Ultimate Sin, I'm not sure if the, Ultimate, I'm not, I may have gotten those two mixed up, the order. But for whatever reason, The Ultimate Sin always gets ripped apart. Interesting. And I love that album. I think it's amazing. And that they're always like, well, the production sucks. I don't know. I couldn't tell. I'm not a musician. I don't know what, that would, how, what the difference would be. Um, I think it's a great album. I th- and I think his voice is great. I think he's got Jakey e. Lee playing guitar, who's an amazing guitar player. Uh you know, the the biggest hit was probably Shot in the Dark, which may be his big, other than Crazy Train, may be his biggest hit ever. Yeah, Crazy Train's huge. Uh, and it's a cool video, too. I remember the video. Um, but, you know, I don't think there's a bad song on that album. And I don't I don't know, I don't know if it's like the cool thing to, to, to <laughs> knock down that album or whatever, because 
those first four for me are his best ones. I mean, he's got mm-hmm. the, some of the later ones are pretty good. I mean, they're always they're lately the ones I've been watching or listening to. Um, they don't like the most recent one for whatever reason. Okay. And I don't have that one yet, so I don't I haven't listened to it. But he's got a song on it with um, Post Malone, the rapper. Oh the, wow! Yeah. So, huh. uh, which I thought was a pretty good song. Actually, I've seen I've I've heard it. Uh, but no, that's the one that I've been spending more time with lately. I really like I really like that one. I think, uh, as I said, those pardon me, those first four. Uh, you know that was they, he did those four albums in like four years. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And Randy Rhodes died, and then he did the first two were with Randy Rhodes. The next two were with Jakey e. Lee, I think. And then he went through a a gluttony gluttony litany litany of of guitar players until he got to to uh zach wilde mm-hmm. and uh i think some of the guitar work on those on the ones with Dakey lee is i don't know if it's all of it's better than zach wilde but i think a lot of it is really good and i mm-hmm. i don't know why i don't know the history of why Jakey lee didn't stick around or if ozzy fired him or what or if sharon fired him right who, who knows but uh I just, I mean, "Shot in the Dark" is a great song. Um, "Lightning Strikes," there, there's just for me, there's just not a bad song on that album. The artwork is really cool. Uh, I, that's that's the main thing. I mean, we've been, uh, I've been listening to a lot of uh, YouTube like podcasts lately. It's not as much music probably as I should, but <laughs> uh, next time I'll, I'll I'll broaden my horizons a little bit. I'll try to look forward instead of going back to the <laughs> '80s. Uh, what have you been listening to? Well, we record these well in advance of when they're released. But at the time of this recording, it is three days after Dream Theater dropped their latest album, A View from the Top oh. of the World. And I have, um, I was busy on Friday and Saturday. So I did not, and, and I, when, when Dream Theater puts out a new album, I have to give my full attention to it and <laughs> devote an extensive amount of time. And so yesterday was the first day that I had time to just sit down and really focus on it. And I listened to it twice yesterday, and then I felt like I got a good chance to digest it in those two listens. And then today I have had it on more as like a background thing while I've been working um, to, to hear it a few more times. And this is the fastest I have gotten into a Dream Theater album in at least 10 years. Maybe wow. 15 years, maybe even, oh geez, maybe even more than that. It might be almost, it's probably like the last album of theirs that I immediately loved, immediately attached myself to was Train of Thought. And that was early aughts. Hmm. So this one grabbed me. Normally their music is so complex that I need some time to just really wrap my head around it. And they're not a hooky band. So it's not like you can just listen to it and hear the hook and just, you know, get into the song right away. It takes a while to find the parts that are going to stick in your head and that are going to act as sort of a hook that will, that will bring you back into it. Uh, This one I have really absorbed quickly and I don't think that's a bad thing. It's not like it's simpler. Um, It's just grabbed me in such a way. I've, I've have, I, I thought the last few were fine, but I don't think they were their best work, hmm. their last few albums. How long ago was the most recent one before this one? Uh, two years ago, maybe? Two to three? Hmm. Um, and that one was good, 
but I just don't find myself wanting to play it as often. Like it was fine. And in fact, it was better than the couple before it. But I usually, when I listen to them, if I pick something, I tend to go back to black clouds and silver linings or earlier. Um, and I don't want to say that it was like when Mike Portnoy left that things changed because I think that's an obvious place to like, oh, the music wasn't as good after that. I do think they made some really good stuff after that too. But this is the first one that uh, that I've immediately fallen in love with in a while. And I, I really love it. Like, I think it's fantastic. I think there are some songs on here that are the best songs that they've made in a decade at least. Wow. So I'm really into it. Like I said, it's only been a couple days. Hopefully that... That won't you know, change. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that appreciation only deepens rather than than going the other way. Um, but I don't see myself getting bored with it. It's also really heavy. It's definitely heavier than the last three for sure. Um, and honestly, probably heavier than the last four. Uh, it's really heavy. Is it a concept album or is it? It is not. As far as I know, it is not a concept album. I have yet to figure out a through line. I, I'm pretty sure it is just... A, just standalone. It is seven songs. One of them is 20 minutes because it's dream theater. Uh, <laughs> I think the shortest song is like six and a half minutes. Um, again, this is just dream theater. This is just what you get. You know, it, at this point, if you like them, you know what you're getting. Yeah. Uh, at least in that way. The beauty, of course, of, of a band like dream theater is that no two songs sound alike. Yeah. So, in that way, you don't know what you're getting because you can't sit down and say, oh, this is the ballad of this album or this is the whatever song of this album. It, it doesn't work that way. They don't have – each song is completely unique and and stands alone from the, the rest of the catalog. But I'm really into this album. I really love it. Uh, and it's cool because it's reinvigorated. I've always loved this band. They're my favorite band. I've seen them a million times. But it is reinvigorated my love for them once again. And I'm really excited that I have tickets to the next show. The tour got delayed, unfortunately. So I don't know when the show will actually happen. But I have my tickets, my really good seats. And so I'm very excited that this album is going to kick ass when they play it live. Um, so I'm super, super, super now, Do they for that. tend to play a bunch of songs from their the newest album or do they sort of spread it out? Um, I think the I saw their last tour twice. Once in, I saw it in Chicago because the first leg didn't have a show in Ohio. So we actually just trekked out to Chicago to see it. And then they added, they did another leg and it hit Cincinnati. So we saw the same show again. <laughs> uh, it was incredible. Uh, that Gee, one I wonder was, why you would think that. <laughs> but that one was the Metropolis Part 2 uh, 20th anniversary. So it was not only in support of the new album, but that was only the first half of the concert. And then the second half of the concert was they played the entirety of Metropolis Part 2 from beginning to end. How long was the show? Uh, it was like two hours, a little mm -hmm. more. Um, and no opener. Oh, well, Like yeah. they just played straight he'd be, through. You'd be exhausted like, if, if there was an opener. More yes. exhausted than you probably were. Yeah, because it was, <laughs> it was, yeah, it, they're, they're amazing. But even then, when only half the, the show was not that one 20 year old album they played i think four tracks off of the new album which again for them these are like 10 minute songs so <laughs> four tracks is most of what they played in the first half yeah um but i think it was four or maybe it's possible it was even five uh but 
they I imagine they will definitely play probably four of the seven and maybe even five of the seven at the at the new, new one. one because they're another band that um, another cool thing about them and why going to shows for them is great is that you almost never see the same set. There wow. are I think the like only on the song, same tour you don't see the same set? on the same tour you do okay. but like between tours a lot of bands they'll they'll throw in some new stuff but like you still see the same all of their same hits. Dream Theater, you have no idea what they're going to play. They will play an obscure song off their third album that you're like, what is this? Oh my God, I haven't heard this this song in 30 <laughs> years. And and then they'll play something brand new and they don't just hit singles. Yeah. The only song that I I might have heard them play every single time is their what they jokingly call their only hit, which was Pull Me Under. Yeah. Um, I know that song. Yeah. They even have <laughs> they have a greatest hits album that is actually called Dream Theater's Greatest Hit. <laughs> because the joke is that pull me under is their only hit, but I, uh, I don't even know if they played that at every at, at every show. They might have, but what what other band can you think of that's been around that long that doesn't have at least one staple song that they play all oh. the time? Most of them have a couple. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I just well, I, I just saw Megadeth a few weeks ago, and and they they well, uh, did we talk about this last time? I don't know if you mentioned it. Wasn't I think you might have mentioned the show, but yeah, yeah. So they played like four or five staples, and yeah. Were, and well, they played mostly staples because it wasn't. There's no new album out, I don't think. So, yeah, most of the time, like when I see, whenever I see Maiden, I've all I've seen them ten times probably. Yeah. There's been one tour where it was almost all B sides, and I, I did not like that show. <laughs> I, that's the one time I did. I'm like, oh no, I don't, I don't. You know, the last one. Uh, was before COVID, and it was the best they've ever done, and it was, it was mostly the stuff I already knew. A couple, sure. a couple new, couple new things. Like out of the fifteen songs, probably three were off the most recent album, and the rest of them were the classics. The classics, because yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I paid one hundred twenty bucks for my ticket. I want to hear the stuff that that I know. Sure, you know, and I and I I don't know how I would. I mean, I saw Dream Theater. They opened for Iron Maiden one right, time. Right. Yeah, and they were great. I knew none of the songs, <laughs> but they were great. Uh, yeah, no, I see. I don't know how I would feel if Iron Maiden would do that again, where they would not play mostly songs. Like I think the next tour with this new album, there are some songs there, 10, 12, 13 minutes long on this one. Yes. I'll, I'll be interested to see which ones they play. I suspect they will play the shorter ones that were right. the, that were the releases that the the ones they released as hits or as as singles. Yeah, because those the first two were were short. And the ones that are longer are the ones who are getting a lot of flack. They don't like them as much. But oh, okay. I don't mind those. I like those a lot. It's just, right. You know, it's just because as they've, as they've gotten older, they write longer songs. They've mm-hmm. always had long songs, but nothing like Dream no, those Theater. Are, well, yeah, Dream Theater often has very long Like Rhyme with Ancient Mariner is like 13 minutes yep. long. They've got the, the most recent album, Sin- Sinjetsu's got at least three that are at least 10 minutes long. Yeah. You know, so... If that's how they end the album with those, and uh, a lot of bitching and moaning about that, but I, I think they're pretty cool myself. But uh. well, I mean, that's like with Dream Theater, you you can you don't know if you're gonna get twenty songs at the concert because they're gonna play a lot of shorter ones, or if you're gonna get far fewer than that because they'll play two different twenty minute songs. Like I've seen them come out. The, I I saw them on the Black Clouds and Silver Linings tour, and they came out for the encore. And I was there with my wife and, you know, she's like, is there going to be an encore? I'm like, I'm sure there will be. And then they came out to start the encore 
And she's like, how many songs do you think they'll play? And because she, she wanted to know if I thought they might play some, the, like this one particular song that she liked. And they started the song and I'm like, they will play one song for this encore <laughs> because this is the Count of Tuscany and the song is like 19 minutes long. <laughs> the encore is going to be one song, but it's freaking, it's a 19 minute encore and it's one tune. That's just, but you just don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. And, and even sometimes a, among the same tour, I saw them in Columbus uh outside at what i don't know what it's called anymore but the promo west or whatever it is um i saw them on the outside stage and it was for i can't remember the the tour it might have been uh systematic chaos i'm not sure but at any rate they they played the encore that we got was not the encore that they played at and it was again like a 20 minute encore at a, at the other shows, they did a different one, one. song that was twenty minutes. Well, they played. We got uh, a change of seasons, which is oh yeah their first twenty three minute epic. It was their first like super epic song. Yeah, we got that, and which I it's like one of my favorite things of all time, and so I loved it. But I was expecting in the presence of enemies part one and two, which are each like a ten minute song, so like another different twenty minute encore that they had just done in the previous shows. Oh. I looked them up online, and that's what they ended with. They did not end our show this way. They just decided to play a different 20 minute song as their encore. And that's just, that's one of the great things about them is that I've seen them, I think nine or 10 times. And it's, you just get such a beautiful cross section of all their music. Yeah. Um, Every time I go, I'm like, I have no idea what they're going to play. I know it's going to be great, but it's also going to be different from the last time, which is really fun. Um, so anyway, that's pretty cool. So like, uh, yeah. I I would not want to go out on a 19 minute song. I want to go out like on, a, <laughs> on like a high, like a, a fast, heavy, not, you know, not so much like a three minute song. But uh, if Maiden would go out playing "Rhyme with Ancient Mariner," I'd be like, eh, no, I get that, you know. But but also, I'm not a huge Dream Theater guy, so I mean, I I'm not as connected to them uh, as you are. Like, but Megadeth didn't have any encores. Which yeah, quite, well, yeah, you said that you thought that there might have been some issues. Yeah, quite frankly, because they didn't just they didn't play very well. So yeah, so you know whatever. But but that was a disappointing show, all around. Not, usually that's not the case with in my experience with them. But whatever. Anyway, yeah. right. So I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't want like when they've when they've done Rhyme with Ancient Mariner, it's usually like right in the middle of the set. I see. I you know. See. So and because in part part of that song they can take a break. That's fair. Yeah, you're right. A couple of guys wander off, go to the bathroom, get a beer, whatever. Because <laughs> there's a real slow section that in the middle where only, you know, the drummer, I don't know if he's doing anything. Uh, you know, literally, I, I remember one of the times they're just kind of sitting on the drum riser just for a couple a couple guys are just kind of tinkling, yeah. on, tinkling on the guitars and that was it. And then, it, you know, then it picks up again at the end and then it, then it leads into another one that's really heavy and really fast and you just go on. Well, I, for for Dream Theater, a lot of their really long songs have this sense of like epic grandiosity, yeah, which is part of part of them being these huge songs, and so they're able to really play that up with the stage show to make it feel very climactic, yeah, because those songs tend to have these like really dramatic climaxes anyway, so it actually tends to provide a really nice close to the concert versus a a quick kind of sing along song. I guess it depends on the experience that you want. Sure. It, it ends up being not your typical rock concert, but it has this almost theatrical sense of it's more like seeing a, a theater, like a Broadway show, 
where it has this sense of like epic climax at the end versus, yeah. you know, going out on like a fun song everybody can sing to, which I guess is more of like a rock concert yeah. sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. But I like the the drama of it all. And they are my favorite. And it, when Dream Theater drops a new album, it's a very special time for me. So <laughs> I will be listening exclusively to that for quite some time. So my answer next time, I will try to listen to something different just so it's not the exact same answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody well thank you for uh listening as always we will be back with you next time to talk uh more subjects metal uh, until then we are two profs throwing horns and we will catch you later take care